Chapter 12 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mirendo 07. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 1, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 12 that it is of much moment to make account of religion, and that Italy, through the Roman Church, being wanting therein, has been ruined. Princes and commonwealths that would save themselves from growing corrupted should before all things keep uncorrupted the rites and ceremonies of religion, and always hold them in reverence, since we can have no surer sign of the decay of a province than to see divine worship held therein in contempt. This is easily understood, when it is seen on what foundation that religion rests in which a man is born. For every religion has its root in certain fundamental ordinances peculiar to itself. The religion of the Gentiles had its beginning in the responses of the oracles and in the prognostics of the augurs and soothsayers. All their other ceremonies and observances depended upon these, because men naturally believed that the God who could forecast their future weal or woe could also bring them to pass. Wherefore the temples, the prayers, the sacrifices, and all the other rites of their worship had their origin in this, that the oracles of Delos, of Dodona, and others celebrated in antiquity, held the world admiring and devout. But afterwards, when these oracles began to shape their answers to suit the interests of powerful men, and their impostures to be seen through by the multitude, men grew incredulous, and ready to overturn every sacred institution. For which reason the rulers of kingdoms and commonwealths should maintain the foundations of the faith which they hold, since thus it will be easy for them to keep their country religious, and consequently virtuous and united. To which end they should countenance and further whatsoever tells in favour of religion, even should they think it untrue, and the wiser they are, and the better they are acquainted with natural causes, the more ought they to do so. It is from this cause having been followed by the wise, that the miracles celebrated even in false religions have come to be held in repute, for from whatever source they spring, discreet men will extol them, whose authority afterwards gives them currency everywhere. These miracles were common enough in Rome, and among others this was believed, that when the Roman soldiers were sacking the city of Vei, certain of them entered the temple of Juno, and spoke to the statue of the goddess, saying, Wilt thou come with us to Rome? when to some it seemed that she inclined her head in assent, and to others that they heard her answer, Yeah. For these men being filled with religious awe, which Titus Livius shows us by the circumstance that, in entering the temple, they entered devoutly, reverently, and without tumult, persuaded themselves they heard that answer to their question, which perhaps they had formed beforehand in their minds. But their faith and belief were wholly approved of and confirmed by Camillus and by the other chief men of the city. Had religion been maintained among the princes of Christendom on the footing on which it was established by its founder, the Christian states and republics had been far more united and far more prosperous than they now are, nor can we have surer proof of its decay than in witnessing how those countries which are the nearest neighbours of the Roman Church, the head of our faith, have less devoutness than any others, so that any one who considers its earliest beginnings and observes how widely different is its present practice might well believe its ruin or its chastisement, to be close at hand. 
but since some of our opinion that the welfare of Italy depends upon the Church of Rome, I desire to put forward certain arguments which occur to me against that view, and shall adduce two very strong ones which, to my mind, admit of no answer. The first is that, through the ill example of the Roman court, the country has lost all religious feeling and devoutness, a loss which draws after its infinite mischiefs and disorders, for as the presence of religion implies every excellence, so the contrary is involved in its absence. To the church, therefore, and to the priests, we Italians owe this first debt, that through them we have become wicked and irreligious, and a still greater debt we owe them for what is the immediate cause of our ruin, namely, that by the church our country is kept divided. For no country was ever united or prosperous which did not yield obedience to some one prince or commonwealth, as has been the case with France and Spain. And the church is the sole cause why Italy stands on a different footing and is subject to no one king or commonwealth. For though she holds here her seat and exerts her temporal authority, she has never yet gained strength and courage to seize upon the entire country, or make herself supreme, yet never has been so weak that when in fear of losing her temporal dominion, she could not call in some foreign potentate to aid her against any Italian state by which she was overmatched. Of which we find many instances, both in early times as when by the intervention of Charles the Great she drove the Lombards, who had made themselves masters of nearly the whole country, out of Italy, and also in recent times, as when, with the help of France, she first stripped the Venetians of their territories, and then, with the help of the Swiss, expelled the French. The church, therefore, never being powerful enough herself to take possession of the entire country, while at the same time preventing anyone else from doing so, has made it impossible to bring Italy under one head, and has been the cause of her always living subject to many princes or rulers, by whom she has been brought to such division and weakness as to have become a prey, not to barbarian kings only, but to any who have thought fit to attack her. For this, I say, we Italians have none to thank but the church, and were any man powerful enough to transplant the court of Rome, with all the authority it now wields over the rest of Italy, into the territories of the Swiss, the only people who, at this day, both as regards religion and military discipline, live like the ancients, he would have clear proof of the truth of what I affirm, and would find that the corrupt manners of the court had, in a little while, wrought greater mischief in these territories than any other disaster which could ever befall them. End of chapter 12